In this episode, I talk with the education director of a small private school about what it's like leading teaching and learning with uncertainty. Together, we imagine what is possible for her and her staff as they prepare for the future of education. My guest and I um, were introduced by a mutual friend. Our first meeting, we talked for two hours about our philosophy of education and our experiences with teaching and learning. By the end of the conversation, we both knew that we were going to work together. We ended all of our conversations with our gratitude for the time and space we make for each other. For 15 years, Catherine Hernandez has taught English language arts to students in grades five through 10. She's also coached teachers in literacy instruction and served as a consultant for the National Writing Project and the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project. Last year, her book, Activate, Deep Learning Through Movement, Talk, and Flexible Classrooms was published by Stenhouse Publishers. Catherine currently serves as director of a small private school in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Rhonda. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing much better now than I was, say, four weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I could only imagine. Only imagine. I think we all are feeling the same way. We finally kind of settled in. Yes. To yes. to this. I don't even know what to label it, but to this. Right. To this different uh, reality. Yeah. And in my case, and hopefully in most people's cases, not just settled in, but learned how to make the most of it and how to seize the opportunity in this, you know, strange time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about what has been your experience with teaching and learning since COVID-19. Well, it's it's been very, very interesting. In some ways, it's revealed things that we suspected were kind of lurking under the, you know, the surface of our, our education uh, experience. And for me, being the director, my teaching and learning has been more directed with the adults, my, my staff members, than with students, but I'm learning about the student experience through my teachers. So my experience has been that it became pretty clear that teachers needed a very different kind of support from me, of course, when they had to shift immediately to a remote model. Mm-hmm. of educating. And so I quickly shifted gears and did a, 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 a sort of PD intensive on teaching remotely in a way that keeps you physically present and connected with your students so that the kids were still seeing their teacher and not just all of a sudden getting a bunch of uh, assignments thrown at them. You know, here's an IXL sheet. Here's a Khan Academy video. Here's, you know, all those tools are great, but there's no replacement for the teacher, whether it's through the expert instruction that they provide or just the, 
the social contact and those bonds that have been built for, you know, three quarters of a school year. Yeah. So we did that. And I, I was really tuning into my staff and realizing that personal connection was important for them too. Mm-hmm. So we increased our meeting time. So when we were in the building together, we'd see each other every day and we had a formal meeting once a week. Now we meet twice a week and we meet at different times so that we have different team members in different meetings and we're still keeping our communication strong. So I think as with so many educators right now, what has been revealed are these glaring inequities from one home to another. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, we no longer have our kids right in front of us and the supports that we have to provide are even more varied than they usually are. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it makes me think about teacher support, but, and thinking about the inequities and how the support that you provide to the teachers helps shift their understanding of those inequities, you know, because the inequities were there all along, right? This what they didn't just pop up because of COVID-19. They've been there. And I think we've recognized them, but didn't necessarily have to do something about it. We should have, but we didn't have to, but they just were blaringly in the way mm-hmm. we were forced to have to deal with them. And I'm wondering how your support helped shift or start to shift teachers' perceptions about those inequities? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And it's one that my staff members and I have talked about a lot over these weeks. The first thing that we did was we came together in the school building on that first Monday when we had already planned it on the Friday before I sent out a message to the community saying, we're not going to have kids in the school building on Monday. We think remote is on its way. We have to prepare. And then just hours later, Governor Wolf said, schools are closed. <laughs> so it was good timing. Um, but what we did was we, we immediately thought about our families. And luckily for us, we're a very small community, only 75 families that we were really thinking about. And we thought, okay, we, we've got to provide instruction, but we also have to provide support for our parents because now the teacher isn't there and the parents are going to have to facilitate. And yeah. There's all this stress. Um, so, so we had to create a, a very different kind of model. But in the beginning, what I provided was a space for teachers to come together and reflect before moving forward, before we were isolated, right? And that gave them a chance to really talk about and think about who is it that we need to support right now and how are we doing it? And then we were able to collaborate on that design And from then, the increase of the meetings means we're talking as a whole team more often about how it's going. We're keeping track of which families are staying connected with us and which ones are we losing and we get them back. And we're coming together to strategize that. So I think that, you know, as is usual for someone in my position, providing the structure helps the teachers to really focus their attentions where where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. What value does this experience have for you? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> so much because it, it it's confirming a lot of the skills that I've seen among my staff, right? And now they're putting those skills up front and center and it's it's becoming really clear how much 
they all support each other and fill in the gaps. So one teacher is, she's somebody who really, really works with paper and, you know, hands on things a lot. She suddenly needed to transform that into something digital. There's another teacher on the team who does a lot of digital stuff. They got together and they figured it out and, you know, they're helping each other behind the scenes. It's helped to actually strengthen the bonds we already have. And in terms of my productivity personally in supporting the entire community, there's been the value of uninterrupted time where I can actually focus and complete a task before moving on to something else. That makes me less harried. It makes me less cognitively depleted. So what I am putting out to the community is far more effective. It's better organized. You know, it's more supportive. So that's been a great value. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I got chills when you said that. (laughs) What you realized you needed for yourself. Yes. And I think that's so important. And it's the part that we so miss in the harried world pre-COVID-19. We were just doing and going and never pausing enough to figure out what do I need <laughs> so that I can show up as my best? Right. And sometimes we were, we were able to intellectualize, I know what I need, but there was no way to build it in because yeah. we would just be pulled from one thing to another and, and trying to carve out some time. It would, it would end up being, well, I'm going to take five minutes to close the door and look out the window and take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. On to the next. <laughs> yeah. And that is unsustainable. And mm-hmm. I, I read something recently that, that made it, you know, sort of click for me that that may have worked in the industrial model where we were producing physical things on an assembly line and didn't have to think so much. But cognitive production requires downtime. Yes. Yes. We, yes. So now I'm working in a way that matches the science that I've been aware of for so long, but haven't been able to really, you know, apply in my work. Yeah. And that's something so near and dear to my heart, because when I go into a classroom or I'm working with teachers and one of the number one complaints is that kids are off task. And I'm like, okay, they need to be off task. (laughs) Like it's a brain break. That's exactly what that off task is. It's a brain break. And when they come back, they come back so much more energized and refocused because they've given themselves a pause. Right. You know, so it's even sometimes what we've done as teachers in the classroom that that makes adults like us kind of go, 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 go and not (laughs) not honor and value the breaks that we actually need cognitively to help us be productive. Add on to that. I'm using a strategy to build all of those things in and make sure that our school schedule moving forward is benefiting from this time away, right? Mm. It's I'm changing it. I'm innovating. I'm building the values into the schedule, making sure to build in required downtime, but also make it flexible enough so kids can. And this is this this informs my um, teacher professional development model for next year. How can we allow children to be metacognitive enough and self-aware enough? to take a brain break when they need it in a non-disruptive way and then come back to the focused work self-directed. That's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you led me right into my next question. (laughs) So 
in an ideal world, how would you face this experience? And you've already started thinking about that, you know, so what else would you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's see. So in an ideal world, uh, we would have been able to take a step back without people having to lose their lives for it right? We would have been able to give ourselves the space when needed to pause, you know, as a system, as whether it's, you know, a a school or one, you know, portion of the school or a whole district or a, a county, whatever, but to pause and to come together and reflect. We know this is so valuable. We talk about it all the time. We try to build it into our day. We have them in the, you know, these teeny increments, but In an ideal world, I think we really, really need to be able to allow ourselves the space to process and innovate and take feedback and change rather than feeling like we're supposed to be producing, 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 producing with no break. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It doesn't lead to joy. (laughs) It doesn't lead to happiness. It doesn't lead to success. You know, it's, It's not a very human, honoring way to go forward. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just want to pause for a minute for people to just kind of really reflect on what you just said, that in an ideal world, we would have paused and reflected. Yeah, yeah. And so hopefully coming out of this, we embrace that. Again, recognizing the opportunity this has given us and think about when we go back into our lives. And and I don't even ever want to use that word normal. So many people keep saying, I can't wait till we get back to normal. Well, I hope we don't go back to whatever was before. I hope Mm -hmm. I'm learning with us. And hopefully that's one thing that, that we give ourselves some space, whether it's one day a month or, you know, a half a day a week, whatever it is to just stop the production and talk about it. What's working? What's not working? What can we do better? W- better, and then think about what would it be if we're talking about better? Who are we talking about improving things for? Mm-hmm. Is it better for the adults? Is it better for the kids? Is it better for the whole community? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I think when the adults are thinking about making it better for kids, they are thinking from their perspective not from a child's perspective. So what they think might be better may not necessarily be better for kids. (laughs) More may be better for the adults than it is, you know, for the kids. So, yeah. yeah. And that's why that pause is so important because we need to fold the kids into that conversation. We have to hear from them. We have Mm -hmm. to take feedback from our, you know, talking about schools, our students and our families and our caregivers and our support staff and our building cleaners and, you know, everybody involved in the community is, is an important, you know, person who's experiencing something in that community. So is the culture reaching them? Are they feeling like they're valued? You know, are kids valuing their education? Is it reaching what's what matters to them, you know, Mm -hmm. like we have to hear from them and let them speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of things about, you know, the pausing and reflecting cognitive breaks, um, the collaboration between staff and really staff tapping into their unique gifts and talents and offering that to the community. How will you prepare to actually return to school? So right now I'm in the 
the pre-planning stages where it's all just ideas percolating in my mind. And when I take walks, which I do now, I take walks <laughs> in nature. <laughs> That's my downtime. That's when things can process and ideas can bubble up. So I'm, I'm embracing that prog- process. And I'm thinking about, is it possible to create one malleable plan, right? One structure that allows us to apply it regardless of, of what it looks like when we return, when, when the next school year starts up. So that's my goal, to figure out a way that we can move forward um, with, with a supportive structure that's going to be able, that's going to be applicable to an in-building scenario, a remote scenario, or some kind of hybrid. Um, and also there's the possibility that we do an all school or hybrid. And then we have to change that because then maybe there's a spike in COVID-19, right? Maybe we need to then pull back again. So I need to think about a very flexible model that's going to allow us to be responsive to whatever comes up. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but that's where I am so far in my planning stage. And, and, And the other piece of that is bringing it up in our staff meetings so that the Teachers are also thinking about it, mentioning it to families and the board. So they're also thinking about it so that as you and I talked about before the start of the podcast, so it's not just one person trying to think of a solution, but it really is a community model. Yeah. As I'm listening to this, what keeps coming up for me is the roller coaster of emotions and feelings that you, teachers, students have all experienced through this and will continue to experience Mm -hmm. in in the return. How are you making space for emotions, for feelings? Mm -hmm. And and what's the value of that to the plan that you have for returning to school? It's so valuable. It's so important. So one of the things that we do at our school is we embrace restorative practices rather than a disciplinary model. So, and that extends all the way up to uh, the staff. So the entire community in the building um, engages in restorative practices. And what I mean by that is at the beginning of every in-service day, the whole staff sits in a circle and we have a restorative circle and we connect with each other on an emotional level and a personal level before we come together to work. And so that's once a month. Uh, When we meet every week, we do a quick check-in and we still do this remotely. I start a meeting with, let's just go around and everybody say a little, you know, a couple words, how you're feeling, right? So that we're, we're sharing together. We're hearing that. And then um, we do that round, and then if somebody did bring up something, you know, that sparked a response, we respond to that person and say, "Hey, you know, if you if you need anything, reach us." So, and and everybody does that. It's not just me; it's everybody saying to each other, "I'm here for you." Mm-hmm. And we call each other. I know the teachers call each other. Our guidance uh, provider is incredibly tuned in to everyone in the community. So I reach out to her because she gives so much. I think, goodness, she needs, she needs to let, <laughs> she needs to re- receive as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, I, I think there's nothing more important than taking care of the people yeah. you work with. 
whether it's your colleague or your child, you know, or it's, you know, the, the students, it's everyone in the building needs human connection and support. Yeah. And so again, leading me right into the next question and thinking about what do you need Mm -hmm. to do to prepare to do school differently? You know, that check-in of emotions and how people are feeling is something that, that you need too, as well as your staff. What else might you need? Well, it's, you know, the universal answer time. (laughs) (laughs) Time for reflection, time for innovation, time for collaboration. I need to discuss things with all community members, all community members at all different levels, all the stakeholders. I need to know that everything that we're doing is aligned with our school's mission and vision, our shared values, you know. So for me as a creative person and as you know the director of the school who's providing the structure i need everyone in my community to know that i am a kind of like a vessel everybody works through me and so i need everybody's input and then i can create something that reflects all of us so i really need that connection as much as you know our our kids need that connection. We all need that, you know? Yeah. What a beautiful image that is <laughs> to be a vessel and to carry forth, a vessel to carry forth, not necessarily a vessel just to load and carry the load, but a vessel in which you can receive in so that you can carry forth this vision yes. and, and help the vision move forward. Such a beautiful yes. image. Yes. You know, it's interesting, slightly related when I was being interviewed for this position and it really was just a promotion. So it was a kind of informal thing. But with the board, one person said to me, you know, when people um, take a leadership position, often they want to put their own stamp on something. Is that your is that your goal here? And I was like, my my purpose is to realize the existing mission because it hasn't been fully realized yet. We've got a great idea for school, but it's going to take some years to get there. My mm-hmm. job is to help carry it. So. Yeah. yeah, I love that image <laughs> of a vessel. Love yeah. it, love it, love it. So if you succeed in getting what you need, what would teaching and learning look like for you? Oh, this is such a great question. I love being able to... Um, visualize, right? What will it look like ideally? And I often imagine myself walking through the school and I imagine myself going from classroom to classroom. And as I walk through the hallways, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing. And as I walk through the office, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, I'm always doing that, just imagining it, the walkthrough. And so ideally, I am going to see smiling kids who are proud of something that they just figured out or proud of something they just made that they even run to the office to say, Miss Anna, look what I did, you know, or, you know, the older kids um, getting really excited about something rather than walking through the hallways saying, you know, oh, I can't believe we have to, you know, <laughs> but, oh my gosh, get what we, look at what I get to do today. Yeah, That to me that speaks volumes because that means we're reaching our kids and we're not just saying you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this and I need this from you and I want that from you. But it's really a place where the kids are able to pursue a life, to design a life, right? 
My vision and my goal is for every child who comes through our building or our school in whatever format it's in to awaken, you know, and to feel like I now know who I am, what I want, and how I'm going to, maybe not how, but I know that I can design my life in accordance with my own values and our shared values. That's it. Yeah. Gosh, what a lovely vision. (laughs) (laughs) And Rhonda, I know that you, you share that vision. I mean, in, in the years that we've known each other, that's what we're always going for. It's always about, you know, a really awakened child person, right? Who understands that education is not a bunch of hoops to jump through and to be judged by people along the way, but it's a process towards self-realization. Yeah. Yeah. That, which is the mission of my, my business is that we awaken the freedom of education as an irresistible revolution, Uh, you know, and, and that's exactly what you're describing is I don't have to worry about student engagement because I can see it. Exactly. When I see the discovery and I hear the excitement in children's voices about what they've discovered or what they've innovated, you know, that's, that's the freedom, you know, and, and kids are excited for that. And I don't have to worry about them being engaged because they want to be engaged. Exactly. They're totally turned on. They're excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that is the freedom of education, right? And if we can just turn everyone on to that revolution, uh-huh. I just can imagine what the world would be like when when all children are afforded an experience in education that's like that. Absolutely. I'm reading a book right now on differentiation and thinking about students in all of the different needs and all of the different, I mean, just everything they bring with them, everything they embody individually and how a, how school, how education can be the place where it's no longer about what I can't do and what my obstacles are, but the place where, oh my gosh, I am discovering I have skills I didn't even know were there and I can build those and they can serve my dreams. You know, that's what I really want. That is freedom. Goodness, yes. Yes. What's possible, right? The discovery of what's possible, things we don't even know yet is really possible. I'm in awe in talking to you. And hearing just what you're thinking. And, and I know, yes, we've had these conversations about what our beliefs are about education, and we share this similar belief. But there has been something going around that I've seen on the internet quite mm-hmm. frequently in the past couple of days is this idea of the COVID slide. Oh, yeah. And how much that saddens me. And it saddens me because it is the opposite of what we're talking about. It's deficit thinking. Right. Yes. And so we're not thinking about what's possible. It's this deficit thinking. And I don't know when we got to that place in education, but it's just so scary. And I'm just so honored to have this conversation with you to talk about just the opposite of that. Right. Because we are looking to see the bigger picture and about all the possibilities of things that are out there for children. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying that. I think the common core state standards have a bad rap. The standards are are something I value deeply because Mm -hmm. they give us a continuum to check in with and see how we're doing. Are our kids meeting these standards? That's great. But I think it's the implementation and the attachment to those standards that has really disserviced educators and students. And I know that's kind of blasphemy to even say that. If we're so married to the structure and the benchmarks, then we're not attending to the human beings and all the beautiful diversity that a single person has within their own mind and soul, right? But then in the whole community, you know, which is in service to which, right? So we've been operating as though human beings are in service to these stagnant um, Mm -hmm. ideas of what we should be able to do and know rather than those ideas being in service of helping us develop as human beings. Right. Yeah. We've totally twisted (laughs) that story. (laughs) We're good at that. (laughs) That story definitely has been twisted. Oh Oh, man. Yes. So, As we bring this to a close, I'm wondering, what did I not ask you that you feel is important to share? Well, I guess in moving forward in, in, you know, the age that we're in, I think if we hold on to what matters most and don't get caught up in the, are we operating remotely or is it in the building or is it hybrid? Like rather than being so caught up in what is the structure, if we can return to our values Mm. as educators, as families, as human beings, think about what is the purpose? Like we were just talking about what's the purpose of education and what is the purpose of experience and how can we embrace this change in experience to serve our education needs. That would be wonderful. So again, it's that in service of kind of lens, which is in service to what? (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow, what a thought. (laughs) Which is in service to what? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So... Such a perfect question to end this podcast with, right? And for others to even really be able to pause and reflect on is, which is in service to what? Yeah, absolutely. Because we can apply that in every realm. Yeah. Gosh, this was such great, uh, such a great pleasure, Rhonda. Thank you so much. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thank you too, Catherine, because as the same, you and I, you know, we could talk for hours. We've done it before. (laughs) I know. At the end, I feel just as energized as when we started, if not more. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thinking with me about this experience, which has been, you know, a different experience for everyone. And just being able to pause and reflect on that, I think is really important. So thank you so much for sharing your process and your experience with me today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And thank you for doing this podcast, because I think it's so great. I, as an educator, I'm always looking for different voices and different perspectives. So I love that you're doing this. It's really great. Thank you. Yes. We'll talk soon. Yes. Take care, Rhonda. You too, Catherine.
It's clear how passionate Catherine is about envisioning her future leading teaching and learning. What dreams do you have about teaching and learning with uncertainty? Until next time. Mm-hmm.